Hello everyone and welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast. My name is Jade and today I'm very excited to have another HA recovery journey on because it's been a little while since we've shared one of these experiences. And today I have on the beautiful Jess who works a desk job in finance and thrives living opposite the beach with her husband. Her main hobbies include pole dancing, reading, journaling, painting and surfing. But what I love most about Jess's HA recovery is that she's been able to take the tools that come along with the experience and they've sort of like bled out into all areas of your life. And I've had the beautiful opportunity to see some of Jess's experiences firsthand through the HA community with Claudia. But without further ado, welcome Jess. Thank you for the warm welcome. I'm going to bring you along to intro me wherever I go. You know what, I just, I was so excited for your intro because obviously everyone else is going to learn the journey as we go, but you really have had such a transformation mentally, physically, and even when it comes to hobbies, right? Like you've just taken all of these tools about how to optimize HR recovery, and I'm going to say make the most of it. And you've turned your life into this, this ball of fun, new experiences, and it's, it's really, really cool. So I'm actually so excited to share this with everybody because I feel like some of that doomsday scenario at the very start of HA is, well, I don't know what my life could be without doing what I'm currently doing. And it does feel really scary. And you're just a, a wonderful insight into how things can change, but still feel so fun and great and exciting. Um, so what about if we dive in and what about if you give us an insight as to what life was like when training was pretty intense, when your nutrition was pretty focused on work life, social life, and then we can sort of delve into how you got to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So I can probably take you back to when it all started. I was 16, so 10 years ago. And I'd say my whole identity was just based on achievement, so external validation. So in school, I was just chasing praise through high grades and sporting achievement. But when this wasn't enough, I started to look at how I could get it based on how I looked and how disciplined I was with my health routine. So what this looked like was going through cycles of veganism, fasting, low-carb, calorie counting, macros, bodybuilding, just lots of cycles of restricting and then moving on to binge eating as well. So it was pretty time-consuming. It was all I thought about and it was actually, I was very good at hiding it, but it was definitely all I thought about. So I was never present. I lost a lot of friendships. I didn't have good connections with my family because even if I was sitting at the dinner table, I would be thinking about like, what am I eating right now? When can I go to the gym? And I thought that that was the good thing to do. I was quite proud of it. I felt that I was more disciplined than other people. And to an extent, I actually thought I was better than other people. And I would judge others based on how lazy they were. It was definitely a huge ego thing for me. Like my entire identity was based on the fact that I went to the gym in the morning. I restricted in the morning. What are all these other people doing to prove how good of a person they are? And so it was just this disgusting cycle of thinking that this is what life is supposed to be. And that's essentially how it started. So an example of a day in my life is I would wake up, I would drink pre-workout, which has a gross amount of caffeine in it, do a huge weights workout, which would be about two hours. I'd quickly drink a long black, so full coffee, no milk, jump online and work a really high-end job. And then some some point think about eating and it would usually then be high protein. So I was obsessed with protein to the point where I can say this now because I've changed my passwords, but all my passwords literally had the word protein in them. That's how obsessed I was with protein. And then it would be about being obsessed to how could I get my 10,000 steps a day? 
because I was an overachiever, it usually got to 15, 20,000. On top of this, I would do yoga because, you know, I wanted to be balanced. Mm. (laughs) And then I would have Oztag, surfing and anything else that I could just sneak in under the guise of just being healthy. And it was around, I think, the pandemic where I discovered the 75 hard challenge. And this was the time that I got very, very obsessive about these two movement sessions a day. And if Mm. I didn't do those two movement sessions, I felt physically sick. I would fight with my husband. I couldn't go out because I, I just feel so unregulated. Like it was really, really hard for me to live, honestly. Mm. I love the detail you went into, into the thoughts around the quote unquote healthy lifestyle and the the ego centered ideals, because I feel like that's something that we're not quick to discuss because we're kind of like, oh, damn, probably shouldn't have thought that way. But then it's also something that a lot of women want to talk about, but they kind of feel embarrassed about it because it's like, I should know better. I shouldn't have been so judgy. But that is such a big part of um, that sort of cycle is because we're not exactly sure how to draw upon things that people value us for so it's that vulnerability of well I've got to prove how much better I am by having the perfect morning routine and having the perfect training sessions and following the perfect diet at the time Um, so thank you for bringing that to the forefront because I feel like a lot of those listening are going to sort of be like oh yeah you know I, I kind of get like that too especially at um, family lunches or work lunches and things like that. And you can go, well, I made this decision. They made that decision. And in the moment, as you said, we're so obsessed with it that we just feel like we're validating that we make good choices when the reality is we're actually comparing lifestyles and trying to determine who sits higher on the ladder. Um, but as things start to change, and especially as I guess your peripherals start to open up as a result of HA recovery, we can start to see that things like that actually aren't important it's more about what we choose to enjoy experiences that matters more than anything else um also bringing to the forefront the highly caffeinated mornings because that is something I think we've all experienced and done and to a degree felt really great that we cannot eat till so late in the day um and also secretly become addicted to that early morning caffeine hit where it's not even just the caffeine it's that adrenaline run that lasts hours and hours and we can sort of trick ourselves into thinking that that's our high energy self like this is because I train all the time and I'm so healthy that I'm just like go 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 but then as you start to take a step back and kind of unwind a little bit you can see that oh wow I was actually all adrenaline all of the time I'm kind of going to slingshot the conversation around because you have quite a beautiful morning routine at the moment, which we'll dive into a little bit later. But if you were to compare that sort of rush, rush morning that you were living to what you are now, um, do you feel a difference in that sort of homeostasis? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think now I live what I call slow living. And so it means that instead of me rushing, rushing, quickly logging on and just going a million miles per hour, I kind of equate it to when you're trying to merge lanes onto a highway. So I was always that person on the highway going like 120 kilometers per hour, trying to then have someone merge with me, living a normal slow life who's just chilling. And I would just have so many conflicts with people at work. So I was like, why are you not at my speed? Same with my husband. We'd have conflicts like, why are you not at my speed? Whereas now, because I've completely revamped my morning routine, you know, I slowly just like venture up, you know, like give my husband a kiss in the morning because he's not a morning bird, but I can log on, just be really chill and just be really centered and regulated. And it 
really helps my day because it means that I'm able to respond to what comes across me rather than react, which was the mode I was in. I was completely in fight or flight the entire day because of that caffeine hit, because of that obsession with quickly hitting the gym and putting my body under complete stress. Now it's definitely in more of a responsive state. Yeah, so even in the respect to work, do you feel like the somewhat of the anxiety and stress has been reduced? Because obviously you're still in the same job, you're still doing the same role, um, though as you described that really reactive fight-flight response is that if you get a bump in the road, it's like, oh, my God, how do I fix it versus a bump in the road and being like, oh, okay, well, that's not optimal. Here's how I can work on it. And it's such a different world to be living in, though the experience brought to you is the exact same. Is that something that you've noticed at work? For sure, for sure. As you mentioned, I've got the exact same job, but I enjoy my work a lot more and I'm able to show up a lot more for the people I work with because I have those reduced feelings of anxiety because I'm able to sit back and reflect and say these things that I'm stressing over, like, am I going to care about the next week, next year, and the next five years? And I'm able to have that ability to sit back and really reflect. Whereas before I didn't allow myself that time. And so I'd immediately see something that would hit my inbox and I'd be like, the world is ending. If I don't get this done now, I'm a failure. And it always came back to me equating everything to me being a failure. Whereas now I'm able to sit back and say, going back to the external validation, I know that those things aren't what validates me as a person. And so I have that time to respond and slow down. And it's made the biggest difference to how I show up at work and my anxiety that I used to feel. Yeah. And that's such a huge shift and well done to you for working out that these things aren't a personal attack. Like you mentioned that the email comes in and suddenly we think we've failed. And it's like, no, a scenario has been presented to you. It's not a reflection of you. It's just your responsibility to handle it or manage it. But when we are in those fight, flight responses, regardless of work, rest or play, we tend to take on that idea that anything that comes to us is an attack at us or someone thinks that we're not great so we need to prove that we really are. So it's always that wheel's turning so much faster than what they need to and then obviously the feeling of judgment that's attached to whether we can complete the scenario or not also adds to that, well, I have to prove myself because they need to know that I'm good enough. Um, And you can see how quickly everything sort of just layers on and why this stress and anxiety kicks in. And I guess to counteract that, why we can also become so obsessed with health and fitness, because that seems somewhat easy compared to the variables that get thrown at us from life, from like work colleagues, family, um, you know, just general social groups where the gym, it's, even though it's intense, it's quite calculated. We know what we're getting into every single time, how long we're spending, rep ranges, movement patterns. So while it's still hard, there's that security blanket of, I know exactly what to expect. Like this is somewhat soothing. And I guess you're a great example of because you have a job that is pretty full on, how they sort of feed each other because the gym was sort of that soothing blanket of, I can control everything in here. And then the work was more of that reactive space um, that sort of had you firing up. Um, I'm sure the listeners right now are like, but how did you get to where you were to where you are now? How do you go from being super fast forward to slow living? Do you want to take us through what that journey was like for you? And I guess uh, when you established that you had HA and I guess more so when you decided to care that you had HA. Yeah, sure. And I think the main call out is that this transition did not happen overnight, like minimum of a year transition, if not more, because I think about three years ago was the first time I gave myself a goal of meditating every day. 
And I absolutely flunked it. I didn't want to do it. I hated it. I sat there and just spent five minutes making a to-do list that I would then, as soon as I finished meditating, quickly write it down. So it's definitely a gradual transition of where I got from there to here. Um, but how when I started to care, obviously, because I was on the pill um, my entire from 16 to last year, I didn't and I didn't know that those bleeds we were getting were fake bleeds. And so obviously there was no cause for me to ever think that something was wrong. Because from my perspective, like I had a lean body, I was extremely disciplined, which was the biggest thing for me. I had a great job. Uh, I had a husband. Everything was fine. Everything was perfect. And I never had a need to go to the doctor. But last year in June, that's when my husband and I got married. And that's when we decided like, look, we want to start to have kids soon. So I came off the pill. I just assumed, you know, the period would come eventually. It slowly didn't. I was getting a little bit concerned, but not too concerned. But I started to do a little bit of research and started to see some things about HA, some YouTubers. And I started to look at my lifestyle. I was like, maybe I've got some problems. And so, like, I made some half-assed ways of, like, reducing my workouts to just from two hours to an hour. But still, you know, six days a week, crazy amounts of steps. Um, fully caffeinated <laughs> yeah um I did get a period in November and so of course because I got that period I, would, it, I used it as a way to justify well everything I'm doing is fine and so I continued so then it got to December which is you know swimsuit season I live at the beach I was very obsessed with making sure that I fit in with the girls around me obsessed with body checking and so summer is usually the hardest time for me so of course no changes were made but then it started to get into April this year and I started to really sit back and think, what do I value more? Having a family and being really proud of being a mum or being this disciplined person who's extremely reactive, lean, and thinks they're better than everyone. And that's when I really started to delve into online to figure out what am I doing wrong? And that's when I found uh, Claudia and Jade in the HA community. So I joined the program on the 29th of April and I got my period the 31st of May, which was just over four weeks later, which is really, really, really exciting. And I still get goosebumps when you talk about it, even though I know you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's such an important step. But I do love that you brought up that that bleed happened in November and it was that confirmation of, so I don't need to change anything. Because that's such a popular thing that, again, isn't that often discussed, that sometimes we can have that first period or multiple periods without truly healing. Like it's a good enough position that that, you know, we can have a cycle. But if you think about it from other areas of life, like spontaneity, freedom of choice, free will even, um, you might not quite be where you want to be, which is, you know, you still might be living by certain food rules. You still might have a somewhat relaxed gym routine to what you were doing, but it's still very much, but if I don't get that three sessions in for the week, it's been a crappy week and I'm not good enough. And um, unless I get my steps in or unless... XYZ criteria happens. So it's really nice to sort of establish for anyone who's embarking on the HA recovery journey or is in the midst of it at the moment that outside of that period happening, what is what do you want to be? Who is the person you want to be? And what's the life like that you want to be living? Because sometimes that can absolutely happen where the bleed happen, occurs, but you haven't transformed into the woman that you really want to be but you somehow give up on it because it's like, oh, well, this will do because it's hard work. It's, it's, it is difficult to make these changes and mindset shifts, though with persistence, they are absolutely achievable and you're a wonderful example of that. 
Do you want to maybe share with us a little bit more about, I'm guessing summer's sort of over, the motivation's kicked in a bit more. You've worked out, you know what, I just being a mom, having a family is so much more important than what I'm currently doing right now. You did have some of those self-care practices in place as it was. Like you said, you were doing meditation, weren't that great at it, but by now you've probably had a bit of practice. So I'm going to say you're a bit more well-established at it. What were, I guess, the, the, the pillars of the few months that followed? So I think, so I did the typical New Year's resolution where I was lucky that I got COVID on the 1st of January after going to a, say that. <laughs> you know, after going to a crazy festival, which uh, was all on me. And that forced me to be at home for seven days. And I remember the first few days were awful because I looked outside. I've got a balcony that overlooks the beach. So I, I looked outside. I was like, why am I not running on the beach? Why am I not active? Why am I not out there looking absolutely gorgeous with an incredible tan when I'm just stuck at home? And I got stuck in this complete victim mentality. And that took me about three days of wallowing. But I think the, after that, I decided to go, let's sit down and do my New Year's resolutions and reassess my values. And I think that was the session when I was sitting on my balcony in the morning and I decided, well, obviously I can't go to the gym right now. I can't see my friends. I can't work because I was that sick. I need to slow down. And I think that's when I had this huge realisation where slower living was my goal for this year. And during that week was the first time in my experience I'd ever experienced just being. So I think, Jade, I've given you this example before where I just... I had a tea because I'd given up coffee for January. I made myself a tea and I was sitting on my balcony and wasn't looking at my phone, wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there and listening to the birds, looking out at the ocean. And it was the first time that I had ever just been. And it just makes me think that like, you know, we're human beings, we're not human doings. But my whole life, I've just been go, 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 go. And this was the first time that I'd fully slowed down and actually lived in the moment and it was so beautiful and from that morning I immediately went into just a journaling practice of thinking what are my goals for this year and kind of what you were saying not necessarily getting my period but what is the person I want to be this year and that's where I really started to realize the things that were important to me I knew that meditation was good for me and so I knew that I needed to be disciplined with it and take that discipline that I was good at with the gym and things that might not be contributing to my health at the moment and kind of funnel it towards things that would be good for my health. And so I adopted a morning routine where I promised myself for 30 days, I would meditate, I would journal, I would read, I would stretch and do all of those things before I looked at my phone and I would cut out caffeine. And I just told myself, do it for 30 days, see what happens, you might hate it, and then we can reassess. But lo and behold, after 30 days, I absolutely loved it. As much as it took about two hours in the morning, I'm lucky I'm an early bird, so I naturally wake up at about 5.30 and it was a big morning routine and I do think people can probably take bits and pieces and not go full in like I did. But that's the version of all in that I say that I did for my HA recovery as opposed to, you know, cutting out exercise and going all in with food. That was the all in that I did. And I truly think that that has been pivotal to how my mind has changed and because my mind has changed I was able to then put in the actions which allowed my period to recover yeah and something that I want to highlight to the listeners is how you extracted parts of your personality that you know are really strong and that you value 
and you use them as tools to become the person who you wanted to be. Like, you know, you said with this morning routine, I want to do it for 30 days. I want to make sure that I stretch, I have my cup of tea, I meditate, I journal. And like literally you said, I want to use my discipline to do that. And that is the secret to creating waves of change throughout HA recovery. It's not turning your back on what you're good at or that the fact that you like to be motivated or disciplined, but instead going, no, I actually like that I'm a disciplined person. I like that I'm a motivated person. But how can I use those two strengths to achieve the goal that I want? Because I think that's where a lot of women get stuck in their HA recovery is that they, they want to use these tools, but they, they keep forgetting that the goalpost has shifted. It's like the goalpost isn't bodybuilder or um, competitor or athlete or whatever it might be. Goal is now fertility and motherhood. So if we're consistently applying the old rules and measures, we're never going to hit that fertility goalpost where you turned around and really put emphasis on, well, I know where the goalpost is now. I know I'm determined. I know that I'm motivated. I know that I'm success driven. How can I use that? And then you've implemented this beautiful morning routine. And another thing that you did that's so important too is you gave yourself opportunity for things to change. Like you said, I'm going to do it for 30 days. And if I don't like it, I won't do it. So you haven't set this, this is my forever after, because that can be a really uncomfortable thought, the idea that I'm going to make this change and I can never shift anything again, because that's not true. You could change your mind again and go, well, I'm going to do my mornings differently. That's your free will. You can always do that. Um, in regards to that, that morning routine, because it is such a shift, you've gone from heavy caffeine, heavy workout, fast on the go because you're driving to the different locations to staying at home, no caffeine, peaceful rest. Did you feel that starting off your day in that way made it a lot easier to stay in a calm state for the remainder of the day versus being really revved up and you just stayed revved up for the entire day pretty much until bed? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think for me, the art of meditation isn't necessarily to just have that five minutes of the day where you're meditating, but it teaches you to be able to adopt that same mindset no matter what you're doing. And so that if I'm about to jump onto a call where I know I'm going to be presenting something at work and I feel my heart racing or I feel some type of feeling in my body that just doesn't feel right, I know that I need to reflect and understand what's going on in my body and in my mind so that I can then respond and do what I need to do for my work. And so the whole art of meditation, which I've been, been able to prosper, I've taken out throughout my entire day. It's not that just that five minutes in the morning. I'm able to take meditation practices in the way that I talk to my friends or the way that I do my work. Even just when I'm sitting and watching TV, I'm like, am I actually present here? Or am I just zoning out? And if I am zoning out, is this actually what my body needs right now? And sometimes it does. But it's just that ability to reflect on really exactly what do I need in every single moment of the day? And it's a better way of being the selfish than I was when I was driven by that ego of being, I'm better than everyone. Now it's kind of flipped to what does my body and my mind really crave and need in this moment? And I think that's where that meditation and slowing down I've been able to take throughout my entire day and it's completely changed me as a person. Mm, I'm just, I'm full of smiles. So I love <laughs> how you speak and I love the changes that have occurred as a result of the, the path that you've chosen to take. Because even as you stated, you know, this happened over a longer period of time. It wasn't as though you just did this 30 days and everything was sort of done and dusted. You'd slowly been building for a good year or two with certain practices. And then when you got COVID, you had that sort of more 
like let's say hardcore, no, let's do this. Um, you've also brought in some new influences into your life and that can be from some YouTube people that you're listening to, but you also shifted hobbies, right? And I particularly do love the pole dancing element that you've brought in. And I would love to discuss what that experience has been like for you, shifting from somewhat of a masculine form of movement into like a really feminine, sexy, empowering form of movement. And, you know, emotionally what it has meant for you, socially what it has meant for you, and how has it felt just to totally shift lanes in the respect of what you do for movement? Yeah, you're right on that shift from the masculine to the feminine because it was definitely the way that I was acting before this huge shift. Like, you know, like masculine, like being so goal-driven, that's who I was. I was very masculine. And I remember I used to see feminine people who were really in touch with their sexuality and it would just, it would really grind me because I just didn't get it. But I've got a gorgeous friend who's been doing pole dancing for four years and she's been asking me to do it because she knew that I would love it. She just knew because she knows me so well and she's been begging me to do it. But of course I was like, no, 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 no. But, you know, obviously with part of my year's resolutions, I was like, you know what, same thing. Let me just give it a go. It's a 10-week term. If I absolutely despise it, what's the worst that can happen? I just don't enroll for the next one. And so I remember I turned up to class. It was the middle of summer. And to grip the pole, you basically have to be wearing next to nothing, like think like G-string bikini. And I barely did that at the beach anyway. And you're in a group full of women. You're faced with mirrors. And so all you can basically see is your body and you're encouraged to look at your body because you're told, look at your body and make sure that you're moving in a way that makes you feel sexy. Not make someone else think that you look sexy, but make you feel sexy. And I just remember I absolutely loved it. It was in a class full of women that were super encouraging because, you know, we do some silly movements that are absolutely ridiculous. Like think about like grabbing a pole and grinding up against it. Like it's funny. You get in touch with like, you know, being a young kid and you just think it's ridiculous, but everyone is so encouraging. And so I did it for the 10 weeks, absolutely loved it, went up to the next level and I now do it twice a week. And it's just, it's the most incredibly fun form of movement that I've ever done in my entire life. And the people that do it are so encouraging. And it's the first time that I've been in some type of fitness space where you see people from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different body types, but all we're really there to do is to feel incredible in ourselves and to accomplish these amazing things going up that pole and doing awesome acrobatic skills. And it is just, I am so, so pleased that my friend encouraged me to do it. But I think that if I tried to do it at any other point in my life, I don't think it would have worked out because I would have been stuck at looking at myself in the mirror and mm. pulling myself apart. But because it came at this really beautiful turning point in my life where I knew that I was trying to make a change, it was just absolutely divine timing. And it was just, I'm so happy that it came across my path and I adore it. Yeah, it's it's so good to establish new hobbies. And as you said, when they come at the perfect timing where you're ready to receive what it has to offer is just like pinnacle to the whole thing. Um, I actually brought in pole dancing two times, three times maybe even. One was when I was uh, training heaps, incredibly lean. And it was interesting because I remember like being okay with all the mirrors around because I was super lean and I, I, I did like my body. But I remember what really grinded my gears was some of the, like I was, I was really strong and some of the movements where you need to squeeze your legs together so that you can go no hands you actually needed thighs to do that like yeah. you needed a little bit of extra and I remember being like you know I'm strong I'm fit I'm shredded 
I'll be able to do all the things. And then I've gone into this class and I say that not as in I was confident when I walked into the class. I just more on a skill focus. I knew I would have the capacity to do the skills because I was strong. And then all of a sudden they introduced whatever movement. And I remember being like, oh, like these legs don't serve me. I might be able to squat and lunge and jump and run, but I actually don't have enough flesh to hold the pole properly. And it was a real um, like almost grounding moment where it made me recognize that I was a little bit fond of myself in a way that I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, and then I did that for a little while. My work changed, so I, I drifted off from it. And then I bought it back in during HA recovery because same sort of thing. I love the idea where it's bringing in that feminine energy. It's fun like as you said you have a bit of a giggle sometimes and it's not really serious and it's not about doing everything perfect like they might choreograph a routine but you still add your flavor to it and I was like oh well that's really challenging for me because I'm so used to perfect everything and now you're telling me sort of here's a gist of it oh that's that's a bit weird and I'd love to hear your take on this but I absolutely loved seeing women of all different body shapes and sizes and how confident they come in. And you could see how sexy they felt because I had this idea that you could only feel sexy or good about yourself if you presented in a particular way. But then I'm watching these other women in other bodies thinking, oh my goodness, you look amazing. And it had nothing to do with their physical body. It was the energy that they were projecting. And it was a real turning point on my perception of what I thought confidence come in the shape of or what sexiness come in the shape of or what made a certain energy present itself because I was watching all these different bodies move and was literally like wow they're amazing I I want that like how do I how do I do that how do I be that how do I embody that and the physical self it it absolutely had nothing to do with it nothing at all And I found that really motivating to keep going back to the class, not just because it was fun, but I really liked how it brought to the forefront that energy is everything. Did did that happen with you as well? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, a lot of the reading that I've been getting really into is talking about energy. Um, And I think the, the coolest quote which came to mind when you were saying that is like, beauty is a feeling, it's not a look. Whereas I feel like we're brought up to constantly think to be beautiful, we have to look like Barbie, or at least that was me, or Britney Spears. Um, (laughs) And it's only only recently that I've realised that we can really take control of what beauty is to us. And I can tell you right now, I feel the most beautiful when I'm up on that pole looking super sweaty, super, super duper gross, because I'm absolutely so thrilled that I've absolutely pulled off a trick or maybe I've been told to do a freestyle at the end of the dance, which used to be like, my absolute horror I was like freestyle like as you said like I like to be told what to do and then there's these girls that are going all at it and doing these really cool moves sometimes they don't pull it off but because they're so confident and they feel sexy they just look incredible and so now I get excited when they say do a freestyle I'm like okay how's my body feeling but yeah you're right it's definitely all about energy and I find that the difference in the energy at the pole studio like we're so vibrant so full of energy but at the gym you kind of go there and sometimes it does feel a bit stagnant. It's like stale. Yeah, it feels super stagnant. Like you can kind of get the vibe that people are there to tick off a thing on their list, which don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I still like the gym and I'm 100% sure that it's going to be something that's going to be in my life going forward. I'd love, I love the idea of being like a 60-year-old grandma who is super strong and has the best muscular system. 
but it's definitely a different energy thing. And I think because I've shifted my morning routine and who I am as a person, I'm trying to align my energy to where I feel really great and full of energy and not full of caffeinated energy, Mm -hmm. but true authentic energy. And so it's meant that I've shifted my hobbies. I've shifted the people I hang out with as well. And even though that's not easy, I've had to make some hard choices and move towards friendships that I know really, really fill my cup. And even just day to day, really making sure I'm doing things that fuel this energy that I'm really, really happy that I have and not bringing me down. Obviously, we all have commitments and we can't always just only say yes to high energy things, but it's thinking about how can you show up with that energy because you could be positively influencing someone else because you could turn up to a Zoom call at work and it could be really, really boring. Maybe you just share some kind of cute anecdote in a cute little energetic way and you can make someone else's day. And so I think my goal is to either be moving towards those energies that I align with or thinking, how can I show up and bring my energy and maybe improve someone else's day or feeling? Yeah, I love that. And a good, great example of that is the backdrop you've got going on right now. Because let's <laughs> be honest, who isn't enjoying looking at that at the moment? <laughs> um, and for those who are listening to the podcast, it's this beautiful like rainbow sun and the moon. And it, it's just super cool. You might have to jump on the YouTube to have a look at it. Um, but Something that you brought up there about the choosing things that make you feel good and help your energy and also help the energy of others. That's such a different ideal from feeling good over getting your to-do list done. Did you feel like there was a transition period when it come to learning the difference between, okay, I, I do get a dopamine hit when I get through my to-do list and I do enjoy getting through my to-do list and also I work, I live with my husband, like there is a to-do list involved with life, no doubt. But there's a very different execution to doing things because you have to and feeling good about it and sort of being open-minded to what should I do in this moment that's going to serve me or what should I do today that's going to feel good um, based on how you're feeling, um, like your energy levels, the people you're around, because there's so many more variables in that. Did you feel that you needed to explore different experiences, different social groups to kind of build a foundation of what it meant to you to feel good? Or did it feel somewhat easy and you're just like, oh, no, but I like reading and I like doing this. I'll just go do that. (laughs) Uh, It definitely wasn't easy. I don't think anything I've done I would classify as easy. (laughs) I might sound like it was easy and it was super straightforward, but it was definitely challenging. But I definitely, I used to have a toxic relationship with to-do lists. My husband might argue that I still do, but it's definitely improved. (laughs) Um, But it's definitely, I think I have had to explore like different relationships, different connections with people, mainly because I started to get interested on, because I thought the way I was living my life was the only way and the best way. But through this experience, I've started to learn that, you know, I need to start learning from other people about things that they're adopting that works for them. And so that's why I've started to kind of explore a lot of people on YouTube, Instagram. I think social media is great. People might talk negatively about social media, but I think we have the power to consume the things that uplift us and can teach us. And so I think if you're saying that social media is bad, your social media is bad. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I went through a huge overhaul of my social media and now I consume a lot of incredible people, um, which I can share a bunch of them later. But going through that, overhauling my friendship groups and just overhauling everything that I consume, whether that be the food that I eat, which was a lot more, which was fantastic. I love food now. 
consuming incredible content, making sure to nurture relationships and friendships with people that I could learn from and that were on a similar type of journey. And if they weren't kind of scoping whether they were interested in talking about it, that's what I was really focused on rather than thinking, okay, today I have a to-do list because I ticked them off. I am fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, right. And as you said, it's like all of these things are difficult, but can being consistent with the process and having that goal outcome, like you will get there, you will find your space. And even as I say, get there, I mean, come to a place where it feels more empowering and comfortable and enticing because we're forever evolving. Like if we do another podcast in a year's time, you're going to have so many new inputs and new experiences and new thoughts and new processes. And like you'll, your character will continue to evolve because you're so open to change right now. Like you're so you're welcoming all kinds of experiences, all kinds of energies and you're able to make, I'm going to say more optimal decisions because you're more focused on, all right, what's serving me versus what's going to prove me to everybody else or what's going to meet everybody else's expectations because it's come up before in the podcast and might have even happened in the some of the group calls on the HA community is that that idea of presenting yourself as perfect is actually a coping strategy because if we can control all the variables and meet everyone's expectations, there's very little chance that they're going to dislike me. But the real strength and power comes from, you know, I know I'm a good person and I know that I I like this and I do that and the right people will like me and the ones who don't, well, I don't hang around with them or like it, it's actually not, it doesn't really matter to us. But that's probably a shift that you might have experienced throughout these changes too where suddenly you've gone from everyone must really, really like me, which is so stressful, to I'm just going to be happy being me and it's 99% of the time going to be well-received anyway. Have you found that? Because obviously your your work, I'm going to draw upon work because you work with quite a few people in your team. You know, you've gone from this go, 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 rush, 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 why are you not working at my speed to open, receptive, okay, there's an issue, how do we work it out, who's got questions, here's my thoughts. Like that's a complete different style. Um, what's that been like for you? I think it's been really good. And I think, as I mentioned, I used to be chasing, you know, the people acknowledging I was good, like you've been a good girl, Um, like being a people pleaser and it was all external. And I think the way I've shifted is that it's about self-love is service. So I used to be doing things because I thought I was doing them for other people, but really I wasn't. I was just doing things for people in the sphere of what I thought they wanted. But what I've really come to realise that if I'm looking after myself, it means I'm showing up as the best version of myself and it will help other people naturally. So whether that be me turning up to work and being able to respond and be a bit slower and be able to take that time to sit back and think rather than go, 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 or whether it's, you know, having conversations with family and friends when they're wanting to just have a chat, not really have any outcome of a conversation. I used to get frustrated because I'd be like, okay, what is the point of this? Where is the value add? Yeah, hurry up. And it would be with like my parents, my sister. But now, because I'm thinking about this idea of self-love being self-service or service to others, I'm able to actually show up way better in life and serve to others and give more to others without me even trying. It's a lot more natural. And it's just naturally taking me out of that egoistic, selfish mindset into more shifting it to if I look after myself, I can really deliver for other people and it will be natural and it will be authentic. 
I love in a nutshell it's like if I look after myself I can better deliver um so much of what you said just then was so powerful and I hope those listening or watching this on YouTube go back like a minute or two and just listen to that again because you said some really really important things that I feel once that sort of penny drops it's really empowering because suddenly it it does create a more powerful position to make decisions that we feel good about that honor ourselves you know like because for the bigger picture we help others better by helping ourselves first and yeah just the way you spoke about that was so beautiful and, and thank you for bringing that to the forefront now I'm sure a lot of the listeners are wanting to know, we've heard more of the the mental shifts, but when it comes to training and nutrition, that tends to be such a juicy part of the recovery journey because it's so different for every single woman who does experience HR recovery. You mentioned that your version of All In did include pole dancing, you're doing a stretching of a morning, um, I'm guessing still like walking and fun activities like surfing if it was summer, winter. I think you went to the snow Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're generally still an active person, but what I guess were your exercise, I'm going to say guidelines because obviously you're a bit more open to it. And also how would you describe your thoughts around food and how they've changed from protein passwords to mm-hmm. where you are now? I say that in a loving way. And I know it's funny. Kind of way, actually, not. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We can laugh about it. Um, so, so the way that um, I remember the first thing that I wrote down on a piece of paper after my first group call with Jade was um, every action you take is a vote for the person you want to become. And that was a mantra that I started to repeat to myself when I was thinking, what am I going to do today? What am I going to eat today? What am I going to do at the gym? So I think that was probably the foundational mantra, I think you'd call it, that I said to myself that I think was really useful. And so I think the pillars of what I had to do is I had to remove my fitness tracker on my hand. Uh, I was very obsessed with 10,000 steps. If I didn't get them, I felt once again, came back to that word of failure. Um, So I removed this idea of going for walks completely. And so what I basically told myself was I will go for a walk around the block and around the block only if it's a nice day. I was lucky that at the time where I live in Sydney, there were crazy storms for about four weeks where it was raining, hailing, it was unsafe to be outside. And so that was a huge challenge. But because I'd already made that commitment, I was like, you know what? It's the universe telling me four weeks of nothing. And it was great. Now I've got a really good relationship with walking. And it's more so if my husband says, hey, let's go for a de-stress walk. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whereas before we'd go on a mini walk and I'd be like, why is this so short? This isn't Mm -hmm. contributing to my steps. Whereas mainly I'm walking because I want the sun on my face or I want to be spending time with my husband or I want to be seeing a friend. So I think that's the shift in that 10,000 step ridiculous goal, which I made. Can I pause and interrupt just for a second? So something really important you said there with the, the nasty weather, because you've set boundaries in that scenario. You turned around and said, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. It's just going to be around the block only when it's nice weather. And it can be a distraction to think that HA recovery, everything's meant to be fun and spontaneous and on the fly, but boundaries actually really help us with progressing because that's a really helpful guideline for you. If it's not nice weather, I don't want to go because the whole point is to enjoy it. And I just wanted to point out your, your thought process when it was that horrible weather because you didn't turn around and go, see, this sucks. Every time I try and do something, I just wanted to go and walk in nice weather. Now there's no nice weather. Now I can't even walk. You very easily could have catastrophized that and had a real pity party over it. And instead you're like, oh, observation, it's raining outside. This does not comply with my enjoyable walk in the sunshine. Um, this must be a sign from the universe. 
you didn't put up this wall of resistance or wall of like, poor me. You just went, oh, okay. All right. Well, that that's a no. Um, and that, sh- that has such a big influence on all of the changes that we make through HA recovery. If we can observe something and just extract helpful information and the basis of yours was literally, oh, well, this is a sign I'm not meant to walk today. The sun's not out. Move on. Um, yeah. So, yes, I just wanted to point that out because it, you easily could have taken the alternate path and you didn't. You were just like, oh, it's just not meant to be. Um, but, yes, please continue. That was the shift of the 10,000 steps. Yeah. Um, the next huge thing was I stopped calorie counting. So I first downloaded my fitness pal when I was 16 years old. I am now 26 and removed the app when I was 26. So 10 years of calorie counting. God. Um, this was probably the hardest thing for me. And there were probably times where I re-downloaded it many times because I just had to see where I was. Um, and I definitely didn't stop cold turkey. The way that I gradually stopped it is I removed the app, but I still kept a food journal for many, many months. And so I'd write exactly what I was eating, not like the cups or quantities and I wasn't measuring my food, but I would just write it down. Um, but then I was in a group call with Jade and I remember there was a question like, what else can you do? And I thought, I'm still putting this focus on food every single day. If I don't write it down at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I eat? And sometimes I'd write it down and naturally I'd compare it like, oh, this is a bit more than I ate yesterday. And so it was still just fueling that obsession with food. And so what I replaced it with was starting to write down like inspirational quotes or things that I learned because Jade knew that I listened to a lot of podcasts and YouTubes and it's something that I've actually continued to do. So now every day in that same spot where I used to write my food journal in my daily diary, I'm writing down those quotes of inspiration, which I then make an effort to share with my husband or share with my family. And it's still, it's giving me that habit and that discipline of still writing something at every mealtime but it's shifting it to be something that's contributing to my health. Yeah, what a beautiful practice too, because not only are you doing it for yourself, but then you go and share it with your husband or your friends and family as well. And it's a nice little confirmation of the process that you're doing to reflect on things that you've seen or that you've heard, write them down, consolidate, you know, literally we talk about in the group calls, our brain's like a software. We're just downloading new software all the time and learning how to use it. And essentially that's what that practice is. You're like, oh, here's some new software. I want to install it and I'm going to repeat it to friends and family to consolidate it because this is the life I want to be living. This is how I want to be thinking and feeling. And um, you, you're parting that way every single day. So I, I love that. So you do that overnight? Um, the writing down of the quotes? Yeah, yeah. So I just write them whenever I'm listening. So I could be on the bus and I go, oh, that's really that really hit me. And I quickly write it on my phone and then I'll transfer it to my diary. It's just whenever I hear something, whether it be on a podcast or even if my husband says something absolutely incredible, um, I'll just write it down. And it's just really cool because it means that I've now got a backlog or if I'm feeling a bit ick, I kind of shift through the following days. I'm like, oh, that was a really good one. Yes, fantastic. And I guess that's a good part to jump into. You've got some really good influences online that you're sort of listening to and absorbing and taking on some of their thoughts and processes. Um, and whoever you suggest today, I will link it in the show notes in case anyone else wants to start absorbing what others have to offer. Now, I know one book that we both have in common is the 101 Essays. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm audioing it. I'm listening it to a podcast where I do podcast audiobook I do want to buy the hard copy of the book because it is so powerful mm-hmm. um we've discussed on the HA community that's one of our top books to sort of reference at the moment it's been really powerful but who are you listening to podcast YouTubes books 
um, what are some things that you've really been embracing? Yeah, other other key um, influence is Joe Dispenza. Um, oh. Becoming Supernatural yes. is my all-time favourite book and I read that book at that same time where I was in COVID lockdown and so once again it was like divine timing. Any other time I think I would have picked up that book and I would have said this is wonky, <laughs> this is just, God, this guy needs to hurry up and just like, you know, actually get a real job. Um, but because I read it at the right time, it was just really beautiful. and open to it. I was open to it and I think his key message is talking about how like our mind can't tell the difference between what's actually happening in real time versus things that we're conjuring up in our head. And so it means that when we're going through these thought processes where we think everyone hates me or we're getting really obsessed with food or we're getting really stressed about a workout that we didn't do, our brain literally thinks that we are in danger because that's just how we're programmed to be. And so naturally all of our systems start shutting down or malfunctioning. And so if we're constantly in that state of fight or flight, of course our body can't function as it should. And so he really has a really great way of bringing together how our mindset can really be shifted to then shift how our physical well-being is. And so I really like Joe Dispenza for that. Um, he can be a bit heavy though, <laughs> very, it, very sciencey, a, a bit heavy. Interesting blend of woo-woo and science though yeah, isn't he because yeah. I know I have introduced him to some people that are a little bit more like logical and science focused and even though is he he's a neurological scientist is I know his background is in chiropractics I don't know what his actual credentials are but he's very much on like neurochemistry and neuroscience yeah like he's got some a fair bit of science background but then I introduced him to them and they were like oh no he's too woo woo but then I introduced him to people that are kind of on the fence and they really embrace it um but if you're open if I guess if you can just hear what he has to say first Mm then decide whether you like it or not because it is quite in-depth what he talks about and I'll link in some of his books and also a YouTube video that he's on. Um, I think I shared it to the HA community because that was a really good insight into our, our whole mind and perception. Um, but he's actually played a huge part, your HA recovery, my HA recovery, um, Claudia, nourished by Claudia, who, you know, we both love and adore. Um, she, he's played a huge part in her her healing as well. So he actually tends to pop up a fair bit in the HA recovery world. Um, there's a YouTube influencer. I can't remember his name, but I have watched a few videos. Thanks to your recommendations. Hines. Yes. Hines. He is an absolutely beautiful soul. Um, he's from Canada. And I think he calls his YouTube the best chill space on YouTube. So that's the vibe he goes for. And he's someone that just kind of just sits there, drinks tea, lights incense, and just vibes with you and talks about things of the universe or what he's feeling about human beings or how we operate. And he's got a fantastic YouTube, which is visually spectacular, but he also has a podcast, which is small snippets, usually 10 to 15 minutes that he has quite regular uploads. And so he's someone that I absolutely adore. He has incredible quotes that he repeats. And it's a good way that if you listen to him quite regularly, you start to talk like Heinz, as my husband calls it. But he's just, yeah, he's he's a total vibe. And he's just, I think, you have to be careful though, because once again, if you're still in that go, 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 go state, he's very slow. He's very slow. Very slow. I and have it, to be in a particular yeah. mood to listen because he. I couldn't have listened or to right. him when I was in my other state at all. Yeah, because he's uh, literally the pace of his speech is he takes his time. 
But that's what really adds to his YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I see it as being as dramatic. I to that, I was like, you know what? She's so chill, the fact that she can really enjoy this because if you're rushing to work, even if you're sitting on a train rushing to work, that would be really difficult to listen to. If you're sitting on the train at peace with the fact that you're sitting on the train and it's running at its own pace, you'll get to work when you get to work, you will be able to listen to it. And I think there's sort of a powerful tool in that to go, well, expose yourself to it and see what your emotional reaction is. If you can sit there and be like, oh, this is great. I like what he has to say. He's kind of soothing me by Mm -hmm. his pace. That's a good sign that you are in a relaxed state. But if you listen to the first minute and are like, oh, dear goodness, make it stop. Well, it's it's a good thing to reflect on. How yeah, yeah. Actually in a position to enjoy this. For sure. I'll just share two more that are Please probably do. easier for anyone to listen to that might not be ready for those really chill, really science heavy dudes. Um, the first one is the Mindset Mentor. He uploads every single day um, and just gives little snippets about how you can rewire your thoughts, how to be successful, not just in business, but in life. And the second one is someone called Live Fit. Her name's Olivia Catania. She actually suffered with HA in the past but she has an incredible YouTube where she not only posts about her workouts considering her hormonal health because of her past, but also some incredibly stunning podcast episodes just about life itself, but delivered in a way which isn't heavy, isn't woo-woo. It's just a 24-year-old girl really sharing her life experiences. And I find that she's probably the most relatable out of all the ones that I've shared. Awesome. That is a great list. I'm going to... Uh, add some links into the show notes if anyone wants to have a listen, have a watch, have a read, um, because I do believe knowledge is power. And sometimes we know the person that we want to become, but we're not sure how to get there. And the best way to explore that is to find people who are living similar paths to where we want to be. Because as you said earlier in the episode, you can sort of extract the things that you like, the things that you're curious about, and then path your own way. Um, Now, we're getting to the end of the podcast because I feel like I could talk to you forever, Jess. I guess if you were talking to any other women who were in the midst of HA recovery or maybe considering it, is there a particular message, motivation, quote, anything really that you would like to suggest or offer them? Yeah, I think I'll repeat the one that I said before. So every action you take is a vote for the person you want to become. And the other one I'll just add is what you're going through, you are growing through. So I've always said that I'm actually extremely grateful for my HA recovery because I definitely wouldn't be the person that I am today because of it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And what a lovely message to finish on. Now, Jess, you have been kind enough to say you are happy to share your Instagram. Um, So I'll also link that in the show notes if any of our listeners would like to reach out and have a chat with you and yeah, talk HA, talk positive influence on your life and so on and so forth. But as for that, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been so wonderful talking to you and hearing about where you were and where you are now. And no doubt there is many women who are going to be finishing up this episode going, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to take these actions to be the person who I want to become. So thanks so much, Jess. Thanks, Jade. Thanks so much for listening in on today's episode. I hope you absolutely loved it. Um, If you did enjoy it, it would be great if you could like, subscribe or share as that's going to help support the channel and make sure that we are reaching a greater audience. Um, But thank you for joining today and I'll see you in the next one.